Yes, indeed. Uh, again, about 10 years ago, it felt like James was telling us, I want to be your friend. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And let me tell you, it's been a, a blessed friendship that we have developed despite the distance and coming back and being with them. It's an honor to us uh, that they served us in these past few days uh, and that we do have a lot in common besides being the only males, well, James and I in our household. And he dared to have a female dog on top of that. I did the opposite and I got a male dog. But uh, I think he decided not to catch up with his brother. He's happy with three women besides his dear wife. And I'm actually venturing into continuing to have a baby in our home. And we are hoping to adopt a child from China by the end of this year. Uh, the message that I have for you this morning, that is really what I want to share the most. Uh, Peru could wait, but I'm just going to tell you just briefly, okay? I, I enjoy sharing God's Word. I might not be the best to do it, but uh, I'm doing what I can in Peru, and I try to do my best at it. The passage that we have is 2 Corinthians 5.21. And uh, if you could just read it with me, how about we stand up and read it as a way to express our reverence to God's Word. Remember... The Israelites, when they were gathered together, they would stand up and they would read the word on and off for about six to nine hours. I won't do that to you today. I do have only one verse, but we want us all to read it together. If you don't have your Bible, you can look it up on the screen. Okay, but let us read it together. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You may be seated. We are going to be speaking about how incomparable or incomparable our Jesus is. I don't want to give another message besides this message. I know we have so many things going on, but for the rest of my life, I want my life to speak of how incomparable our Christ is. And I want to leave that to you. I want to leave you with that challenge for the rest of your lives. Yes, life brings us all sorts of things from different fronts, but we always need to face those things in the likeness of Christ. Remembering who our Christ is. That is why as we go back into another turn to Peru on June 4th, I want to go back. Having in my mind completely bathed into who Christ is. I want to do that for the rest of my life. And I trust that is your endeavor as well for the rest of your life. Now, they asked me to do a little bit about Peru as well. And... Uh, Thank you all for, uh, I have friends that came from uh, not too far away, but as I look at them way back over there, it takes me back to the days of Washington Bible College. 
Laura Deeds was back then, uh, a good friend that we went to school together, and now she's uh, Laura Reynoso, you know, and there's her husband Ray as well back there, and uh, happy to see them here in our midst, and uh, so many others as well that came from different assemblies, and the missionaries that shared uh, yesterday morning. Okay, I guess I tried to make my voice a little louder or perhaps uh, deeper. I can't do more than that. But anyway, so um, let me uh, tell you, perhaps something is getting blocked over there. Let me just reaffirm again, last time I came, I think some of you forgot that potatoes don't come from Idaho, okay? Yeah. All right, so uh, let me just affirm that once again. Potatoes come from, and that is why Mr. Potato is a happy Peruvian. So there is over 2,000 varieties of potatoes in Peru, and you need to remember that. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to make sure I do that. Peru and Bolivia. Okay, there you go. And did you know that there are pink dolphins in Peru? Okay, yes. Uh, they are also available in China. But if you want to see it closer, you go to the Amazon basin. The Amazon is born in the high mountains in Peru, the Andes ranges. And that is where the Amazon begins and eventually winds up in the Atlantic Ocean. But in the Amazon basin, as you go, and if you want to come and visit with me, and we can take you to that region, if you are lucky enough, know that I believe in luck, you know, you might be able to see some of these precious creatures, the pink dolphins. And what is the relationship of pink dolphins with locals? Locals are very much afraid of pink dolphins. If you want to know what that relationship is, uh, next time I tell you, next time I come back in 10 years, I can tell you what that is all about, right? Now, not very often, but very commonly as we do our travels, we are uh, served some of these delicacies that you see in front of you. You see uh, a grub that's called suri that we get uh, to the brave of heart. Uh, we try to challenge them to eat. You have the armored fish. You have the piranha, so don't be afraid of piranhas. You can actually go catch them and eat them. It's good stuff. Oh, you have a monkey hand that was a little bit hard to eat, but it looked almost too close. No, no. I don't believe in that. Okay. Then we have the wild boar, and this is not a large guinea pig. Okay. This one is called a mahas. It has one of the nicest meats that you could find. Great stuff. So come on down and taste it with us. And that is a guinea pig. So I know some of you have those uh, nice pets in your home, but in Peru it's a delicacy. It's the most expensive dish in the menu. Okay, so uh, you might have one there, so don't invite me to your home. Uh, something might happen to your pet. Okay. We are doing our ministry in Trujillo, that is on the coastal side. We are serving there since 2002. And we are actively involved in the ministry of the Christian school, uh, an orphanage. 
And we do try to be available to visit the mountains and the jungles as well. And as we go to the jungles to preach and teach the word, uh, we have been committed to leave something that you could see that is significant to the locals. So for the last 16 years, we have assisted in the building of 16 uh, chapels, you know, facilities for the locals. And I tell you that because uh, this is the last one we did this past August with students from the high school in Maryland, as well as some of the folks from the assembly in Trujillo. So we came, and that is what we had, and at the end, we needed to leave a facility for the believers there that didn't have one. And typically, what we have is, that is what the locals have as a church facility. Okay, that's roof, and that could only last about five years. And after five years, it starts to deteriorate tremendously, and it becomes a haven for snakes, bats, uh, rats, right over here, pretty much on the top. And when it's just so bad, it looks like that. And imagine you going to church on a Sunday, and there's a snake that falls right off the ceiling. Uh, You wouldn't like that, right? So, yeah, so uh, we, and I'm not joking, it happened, and it has happened in the past. So as we have been going to these places to preach, to teach, take care of the sick, bring materials and resources for them, we try to give them something more dignified. You have done a tremendous thing right here, you know. You have uh, added a few things, nice carpet. But imagine believers who are meeting up in a place like this. So as we have gone, we try to bring uh, anybody that is willing to uh, visit with us. And this is the first one that we did in 2006. It used to be something, it was something like... Like that, and now we have a cement floor, brick walls, and a tin roof, and that's going to last a long time. So we have done 16 of those, and we will continue to do more because there are so many villages and places that we are visiting, and we're trying to make something significant for them. Now, one of the things that we always do is play soccer as we go to these villages. And I like to kick off my message. I'm transitioning into our text that you are already very familiar with. But in this occasion, I was playing soccer as I try usually to do. I know I'm not growing up. I'm growing out now. But I still try to keep up. So I was playing on this day with these young folks. And as you see, they have no shoes. And yet they believe they were renowned soccer players. I'm sure you cannot tell from the picture, but I was right next to some that called himself Ronaldo. You know who Ronaldo is? Well, it's right there. And then you see Messi's on the other side. You know, and sure enough, they were very good at what they were doing. Okay, they they are very good even with uh, no shoes. These kids were just so skillful. And, well, you know, you can just pretend to be a famous soccer player, I guess. Uh, That's okay. But then at night, I stood up to teach and and, and preach about who Jesus is. And they were not very uh, acceptable of the message. In fact, they were so into their celebrity soccer players that I saw them pretending them to be. And they were just 
intentionally wanting to dress up like Messi and Ronaldo. They had their jerseys in the back, you know, with their name on it. And I've noticed as well, they were trying to have the latest haircut of Ronaldo. Have you seen Ronaldo's haircut? It's not like mine, okay? I don't know, for some reason, mine just goes that way. I don't know why. I always try to keep it, but nobody's trying to imitate my haircut. But everybody wants to be like Ronaldo or Messi. And it almost made, made it difficult for me to connect to the message that I was hoping that they will take it. And then it just dawned on me that it's no different to the places that I've been visiting all along. People have this this, uh, fixation with, with other people, celebrities of today. Have you noticed that people are trying to be like their popular celebrity? You know, I go to the store right here, Rite Aid. In front of me, there's like six or seven news and everything about celebrities. Like the, the, the social media of today, it's allowing people to pretend that they are themselves celebrities. Because how many likes did I get on my picture today on Facebook? You know, and there's even celebrity pastors. You know... I wonder, you know why this celebrity fixation is all around? And I believe there's three things that it really makes it very appealing to people. And I'm not just talking about young people. I'm talking about everyone in general. And I believe it can really penetrate in our own churches, in the body of believers. This idea of fame, who doesn't want to be famous? We are all tempted with that feeling of wanting to be famous. And it seems that celebrities are not only famous, they are fortunate when it comes to finances, and they are very fashionable. It's like, I want to be a celebrity. And these kids, although they had no shoes, they were wanting to be also as famous as Messi and Ronaldo. They didn't have the money, but they were spending what they had to bring their jerseys. And what about fashion? Who doesn't want to be fashionable? Drew House. That is the name of Justin Bieber's brand. He just came out only about a month ago or so. Did you know that Justin Bieber's clothing brand, Drew House, the first two hours that released his clothing brand, it was completely sold out. Did you know the cheapest jersey for Drew House, Justin Bieber's clothing brand, it's $48. I could buy, I think, two dozens of t-shirts at Walmart with 48 bucks. Mm. Right? But why would people are just so eager to want it? Because it's, it's Justin Bieber. And I don't know if I'm stepping on people's toes here. But I'm even stepping on my own toes, Okay. I want to challenge myself. Whatever I go, I want to connect people to what is happening in the world and what we need to be doing better. And I said to these kids, listen guys, I know you might be trying to play and look like Messi. And I was just trying to challenge them. And I said, did you know that when Messi and and Ronaldo go to bed and wake up in the morning... Their breath stinks. 
<laughs> Did you know when Ronaldo and Messi play and sweat, they stink just like you and me? Did you know that Ronaldo and Messi or whomever that celebrity or whoever that celebrity is, he's going to die just like you and I? I don't know if they connected with that. But I just want to tell you what the Word of God says about this. Listen to what it says. We are in a system. The Bible speaks of this system in this way. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. We have a system that we are struggling with. And we shouldn't give in to that system. And I think Paul is calling us all to wake up. Young people, we need to wake up that the world is out there wanting to be like the world. And I think that is why Paul is giving us this passage. I don't want to take it out of context. Because if you see starting in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. It seems that Paul is picking up a momentum. When he says but we have this ministry in this, in this vessel of, of clay. You know. He's trying to exalt what Christ has done. And diminish pretty much who we are. We are just so weak. We are so temporal. We are so finite. And then he says, but we have received this ministry. And then he says that we are born again. We are being made new in Christ. And then he says we are ambassadors. And then he goes to verse 21 that we just read. Okay? And before we read, let me just tell you one more thing about this system that we are in. The system that is led and headed by Satan, as we just read in 2 Corinthians. There is a plan in this system, folks. Young people, don't be deceived. The plan is that we just need to blend in with everyone. It's sad that when we are no different than the world out there. It's very sad. How can we tell the difference? It's not necessarily by how we dress. Or how we talk. But I think sometimes it has to do with that. Okay? That is my challenge. There is a plan that we all need to blend in. We all need to look alike. There is a distraction. And distraction is that we need to. And we must keep our minds off from that which is most important. And what is the most important thing for a believer? It's Christ. It is Christ. There is a plan, there is a distraction, and there is a guarantee. And the guarantee is that you will always be looking for a new big thing that is happening from your celebrity. And they need to come up with new things. That's why they're posting new pictures. They're coming up with new fashion because people are just eager. And then they get bored. And then what else? The idea is that the guarantee is that you will never be satisfied when you're in that system. There is a plan, there is a distraction, there is a guarantee. In the light of that, the Lord Jesus Christ says the following. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wouldn't you like just to sit down 
or lie down or kneel down and feeling like you are fully satisfied? Wouldn't you like to have that in life? Oh, how good that feels. That we are just not feeling like a pressure is going to come from somewhere and then I'm going to be totally revived. But when we come to the knowledge of Christ is, we have landed to true satisfaction. And I believe that is why when we come to our passage, let me just dissect it for you. Okay? And it says, For he made him who knew no sin. Let me tell you the first thing that Paul, I believe, is trying to tell us. Is that there is nobody that compares to Jesus. For it says right there, For he made him who knew no sin. That is foreign to all of us humans. For the wages of sin is what? Why? Because we have all sinned. We all died because we have been contaminated with sin. There's, there hasn't been a human being in the history of humanity that has not been contaminated with sin. We can think of the greatest heroes that we had. They died because they were sinners, although they did great things. We might have our favorite person that is always coming into our minds. Uh, people that we appreciate. Let me tell you, they are just... Sinners just like you. This declaration about who Jesus is is so profound that many sermons, many messages could be said about it. But I think the main thing that you need to remember is that Jesus is one of a kind. <laughs> Jesus is one of a kind. There was no sin in Christ. And you can review scripture but it says, you know, that Jesus was born without sin. That Jesus was disobedient to sin. Now, when we talk about obedience, we put it the positive spin. Right? Disobedience, like, oh, it, it kind of, you know, it doesn't come as squared as it should. But a lot of people have talked about the insanity of God. There is an author that has written a book about the insanity of God. And I don't think God is insane. But we know what he's trying to say. Some other authors spoke about Christian hedonism. I don't like hedonism per se, but when you talk about Christian hedonism, I know the direction where he's going. We need to enjoy for the rest of our lives, our lives in Christ. And let me tell you, there was only one who was disobedient to sin. The more that we are like Christ is the more that we are disobeying sin. And I challenge you to do that. Okay? Now, this is, uh, very, this is not new to you, and no, it's not new to me. But we need to connect with Scripture. And experience has a way to speak to us in a way that it transforms. And I'm not saying that experience is going to trump what Scripture says. But it's good from time to time that the experiences we go in life brings the pages of Scripture alive. And it happened to me in the spring of 2005. When we talk about that, for he made him who knew no sin. And I said, Lord, I know that. What happened to me that spring was my wife was pregnant. And she was pretty much seven months. And we were flying back to the U.S. 
To make a long story short, she was having labor pains starting that day on a Friday. And we tried to stop it, but it, it wouldn't. So I told her, honey, go lie down. I'm going to eat my ceviche, my raw fish, by myself with our guest. And she went, and it wouldn't stop. By 4.45 that day, she was born in Peru. She didn't have her lungs developed. Nothing almost seemed developed in her. She was skin and bones. And that was just agonizing to look at her, that she was just skin and bones. And I said, Lord, what's going on? My kid right here is born in that condition. I don't know. What have I done? Don't you ask yourself that question when something wrong goes on? Say, what have I done? Why do I have to deserve that? And forgive me, that is what sometimes comes to me. I said, Lord, I've been serving you all these many years, and look what's happening to my child. Skin and bones. Very dark, complexed, darker than I am. Oxygen was not going through her lungs because she was not breathing properly. And her chest will just sink in. And I just, I was just cheering for her, saying, pop it up, pop it up, baby, come on. I was just helping her out, and then we'll just pop up, and then that is a good way to breathe. And as long as that chest will pop up, I was thinking, she's going to continue living. What am I telling you that story? Folks, all of us, passively, we are contaminated with sin. And we are going to die because she did not commit any sin. The point that she, when she was born, she was passively affected by sin just like anybody. Passively, she was a sinner. But for most of us, actively, sin destroys us as well. Passively, sin kills. Actively, sin destroys. And that is our state that we are all. But when we come to Jesus, we have this affirmation that there was no sin in him. So that day I said, Lord, thank you that there was someone in whom I cannot find any sin. And even though I was just heartbroken over the condition of my daughter, I said, Lord, thank you that Jesus had no sin. Wow. Nobody compares to my Jesus. But then Paul says the following. You know, when he says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Hold on a minute. We just said that there was no sin in him. But now he was made sin. Folks, I cannot explain this to you. And we were trying to understand it somewhat. Some of you stood up this morning during the Lord's Supper to try to add a little bit of something to that concept. And let me tell you, I think we're going to know it a little more when we get to heaven. How is it possible that he who knew no sin became, that is actually not the word, he didn't become a sinner. He was made sin. Could you think of all of the ugly things about sin? Divorces, deaths, and you can add any sort of black thought that comes to your mind that is sin and it says that 
he was made sin. He didn't become a sinner, but he was made sin. Wow, but he was God incarnate. If he was born without sin, that means that he willingly took upon himself in obedience to the Father. He became, he did the unthinkable for you and for me. And that is what I say, that nobody compares to him, but nobody will do what he did. What happens when we are in a position of authority, typically? We want those below us. That's why I wanted to be the firstborn. The firstborn sometimes, you know, they are the ones who get the keys to the car. They're the ones who get the money to spend. I'm like, what about me? What about me? And the older guy typically would say, hey. And he makes, you know, the key ring. He holds it in front of you and smears it on your face. And you're like, me, me, me. I want this. I want that. We in our spiritual maturity as well, struggle perhaps with that idea, not wanting to put those below us even further down. And yet in Christ, we cannot find that. Yet when He was the highest of all, He became the lowest. Nobody compares to Him because there was no sin in Him, but nobody will do what He did in that he was made sin for us. Let me tell you this. So there was my daughter. Skin and bones. I didn't care she was skin and bones. I loved her. No parent looks at their baby and says, Oh, how ugly a kid you are, right? They are all precious to us. But let me tell you. By nature... We try to look after the defenseless, after those who are the brokenhearted. That is typically by nature who we are. After all, the Word of God says, if you, being a sinner, know how to give good things to your children, how much more your Heavenly Father, who knows no sin. And there I was, broken in my heart, seeing that my daughter is trying to cling on to life, with her chest sucked in and then popping up. And I said, Lord, it's just something crazy came to my mind. Because that's what typically parents will do. That is what a natural parent will do. And if you have your son or daughter right next to you, I hope and pray they appreciate how much you love them. I said, Lord, if it is possible... Could you please allow me to trade places with my daughter? Isn't it crazy? Yes, I couldn't do it. But I prayed for that. I said, Lord, listen, I'm a big guy. Well, not to you, perhaps. But at a time, I was big to my kids. Now they're getting bigger than me. I said, Lord, I'm big. I'm healthy. I have big muscles. I can fight for her. I can fight for her, and please let me do it. Let me, let me trade places with her. Look at her. She cannot even breathe, but can I please just trade places with her? And, and, I, and my heart was broken, and I said, please allow me to do so. And I know a lot of you perhaps have lost a child. And I know that some of you perhaps, the Lord took your child. And that's the moment that it was coming to me.
And I say, Lord, I will do anything. If it has to be my life, let it be. He didn't let me. And I remember there was a father whose son was hanging on a cross. And he begged, Father, if it would be possible, please, please let this cup pass from me. And the father looked the other way. And let me tell you this, the father could have done it differently. He is the God of the universe. I couldn't do it because I'm not God. But I was willing. God, He could have done it, but He was not willing. Because that is what He planned it. Wow. He didn't have sin. And yes, He was made sin for you. And look what He did for you and for me, folks. And here we are pursuing this things in life, occupying our minds with people who are just sinners like you and me. When we have this Jesus who has done something that is incomparable. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody who will do what Jesus already did for you. And if you're here this morning and, and, and you need to know the love of God. See it in the person of Christ that He was on that cross taking that sin for you. But listen to what it says next. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Lastly, He gives us the hope. Okay? He gives us the hope. Nobody would give us the hope that He offers. Did you know that righteousness is associated to eternity? Let me read it to you just one verse. Because time is really flying. Proverbs 12:28. In the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. Let me just finish off with this idea on this text. So I begged the Lord to allow me to trade places with my daughter. Let's just suppose for a moment that he allowed, it. he allowed me to do it. My daughter is right here. She just turned 14 the other day. And this is the inspiration that I had for this message because it's very personal to me. 14 years, folks. She could have been gone that day that she was... Born, But 14 precious years, regardless of how hard it becomes, I couldn't trade it for the world to know that your child is with you. I couldn't trade places. The Lord didn't allow me. But God has given already 14 years. But let's suppose that the exchange happened. How many years would that be? From here on, 20, 40, 50, 60, they say the lifespan of someone in the U.S. is about 80. And I'm not saying that after 80 you die, okay? I'm just trying to say the following. If I trade places under the best circumstances, my child will live up to 80 perhaps or maybe more. But after that, what? Death. 
Not so when we come to Christ. Wow. Nobody compares to Him, young people. Nobody will do what He already did for you. And He's offering you eternal life. Let me finish with these thoughts. This idea of celebrities in which we are in. Our churches, our children are just bombarded with it. It seems to be the closest thing to them. There was a time in which my kids perhaps wanted to be like me. But now they opened their eyes. Now they don't want to be like me anymore. And some kids are even embarrassed of their parents. It's very sad. We are struggling in this world with that system. And that system, it's not new. Do you remember the likes of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Most people know them by their celebrity names. And I dislike saying them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like saying Snoop Dogg, 50 Cent, Lady Gaga. That is precisely what it was, folks. That is their celebrity names. And that's how we know them. And they were given those names because they wanted them to be the prototypes, the idol makers of Babylon. And yet, they were born in a family with these precious names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are the names of God writing their names. But this system is trying to change your name. And young people, when you come to Christ, you receive a new name. We all receive a new name in Christ. And we shouldn't let the world change us. But we need to be renewed. And that is what Romans 12:1 says, right? Let us be renewed in our minds. We need to go against the flow. We need to go against the culture. And that is my conviction for the rest of my life. And I pray that our churches are fighting for it as well. Because it is a fight. If we are not fighting, we are blending. Be imitators of God as dear children. That is what Paul tells us. How are we spending time, energy, and resources? On Wednesday night, before I was coming on this trip, the Capitals is not, well, I like to watch them play. Okay, I know who uh, their best player uh, is. Uh, uh, was it Alexi, uh, what is that guy, Ovechkin? Okay, right, anyway. So the Stanley Cup is coming. And I was like, He already finished regular three periods, and they were tied. They go into a first overtime. They are tied. They go into another overtime. It's coming to midnight. I'm like just struggling to stay awake. But, hey, this is a team that I like to watch, right? Finally, I said, the score, it won't change anything in the world by tomorrow. I'm just going to go to bed. I went to bed. I spent... A lot of time watching that game. But I was told that people's span of attention is only half an hour. When I go to places, they only give me half an hour to preach. And that's very difficult for me. But they say that supposedly studies is that people only have an attention of half an hour. I'm like, how could I be for nearly three hours in front of a TV watching this that has no significance in the entire world and commit to it? And yet when I come on Sunday, 
Has he passed 45 minutes yet? I mean, when we go watch a video, folks, we spend more than that. And yet we are not looking at the clock. Our Jesus is incomparable. We have an incomparable Jesus has done something incomparable. He has given us eternal life and I cannot give him more than half an hour. Come on. We need to waken up. And that is what we are trying to do in Peru. We need to be imitators of God. We need to see how we are spending our resources, our time, our energy. But I don't want to hit more than half an hour. But anyway, to live is Christ and to die is gain. A lot of you know that Burton Colleen Elliott were not only mentors, but they were like literal parents to me. My parents divorced when I was six years of age. And the reason I am in front of you is because they decided to invest in my life. Because they were recipients of grace. They passed it on to me. And I'm trying to do what I can. But when they died, it was one of the deepest feelings of loss that I had. I loved them dearly. And I went even to the point of saying, if life ends right here, that would be good because I'm going to see them. Let me tell you, death, it's nothing to be feared. It's actually a promotion to a life of complete obedience. I always say that my children are 100% obedient. And they can finish the rest when they are asleep. (laughs) But when my children obey and I see a consistency of obedience, I'm like melting in my heart because it's just wow my kids are obeying how i just how precious that is and if we feel that way how much more heavenly father and folks that is going to occur when we die no more struggling with disobedience when we are in god's presence it is a blessing to die when you are a believer if you are not your life of disobedience It will take you to a place called hell. This morning, if you don't know what that means, come and talk to us afterwards. To live is Christ and to the guy's gain. Stop struggling with sin. We have found the Messiah. That is what Andrew said. He called on his brother Peter because he said, Listen, we have been searching around all over, but now we have landed it. This is it. Peter, come on over. And I always tell this story, you know. I prayed for 10 years for God to bless me with a wife. And in the process, I was looking into the marketplaces, you know, (laughs) what it was. And I did get distracted, but I was praying hard. But finally, one summertime of 1997, I saw this beautiful, freckled girl walking. And I said, I have landed. (laughs) This, this, This is it. Okay? I said... I'm off the market now, folks. I don't know how many people cared, but it didn't matter. Okay? I don't think there was uh, any uh, weeping or gnashing of teeth when I said that. But I said, this is it. No more emotional playing here, you know. This is done. And it's been a blessed 19 years with her. But when we are in Christ, we can have a blissful life because of what He has done. 
Let us truly say, we have landed in Christ. We have found the Messiah, and there is nobody like Him. Yes. And lastly, I think that is what this hymn captures about who Christ, who Christ, who our Jesus is. There is a group that sings this song lately, and I love it. It says, I don't want to leave a legacy. (laughs) Only Jesus. I never played baseball when I landed in Washington Bible College. I played baseball, and that first year, they gave me an award for the most improved player. They looked at my size, my size and they said, oh, you're a shortstop. <laughs> they made me play shortstop. By the end of that season, they gave me an award, the most improved player of that roster. Do you know where that reward is right now? I don't know. (laughs) And you know, folks, I don't care. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Let's imitate him. Let's be like him. Because there's nobody like him. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us to the extreme of dying for us. And being made sin, something that is incomprehensible. And I pray that the rest of our lives will be committed to imitate this Christ. Because the rest is just temporal. It's meaningless. And I pray that it will be our desire. We ask you, because of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.